0: Yo, 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 Thought Warriors, can you believe we are coming up on two years of higher learning? Two years of random van-inspired questions. Two years of Big Rage popping off. And most of all, two years of you, our amazing Thought Warriors that keep challenging and inspiring us every single day. That's why we are officially granting the higher learning hang, okay, exclusively for our LA-based fans. If you haven't moved out to LA yet, don't. Keep the 405 clear. Follow our (laughs) Higher Learning Instagram page at Higher Learning and check out the IG story with full details on how you can link up with us. Y'all know y'all can listen to Higher Learning free only on Spotify, but now you can subscribe to our new Higher Learning YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash higher learning to watch behind the scenes content and more celebrating this special two year anniversary.
1: ensure your next purchase is the real deal, visit ebay.com for terms.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com. To try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to Ringer Dish. I'm Juliet Littman. I am joined by my colleague Jody Walker. Jody, hello.
3: Juliet, hello. Really excited to talk with you about this documentary, which I think we both have a lot of questions about, Uh, but, but we should say from the beginning that we are both JLo fans and yes, hoping the best JLo.
1: Yeah. Um, and to that end, we are here to do five big questions about halftime JLo's documentary that just hit Netflix. Five questions, more or less five big questions, many more small questions.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got I've got some in-between questions. I definitely have some small itty bitty questions about <laughs> what's going on in this doc.
1: I think our first big question, let's just get right into it. What is this doc about, Jody? It's called Halftime, and it was marketed, I think, more or less, about J Lo's halftime show at the 2020 Super Bowl, which I think we can all agree was instantly iconic. But, Jody, is that what this documentary is about?
3: Well, you spoke to this, but yes, titularly speaking, this documentary <laughs> is about JLo and Shakira's halftime show at the 2020 Super Bowl. There are definitely some dance montages, some rehearsal montages that make it about halftime. There's some behind the scenes stuff that make it about the halftime show. But I would say that the underlying narrative of this documentary, even more than digging into a little bit of JLo's background and a little bit of her family life and her story, is very much about JLo not getting nominated for an yes. Oscar for Hustlers. A yes. constant through line of the documentary and seemingly of JLo's life. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think more than half of the movie is dedicated to her Hustlers Oscars campaign, failed campaign. I meant to, like, start a ticker of, like, how many times people brought it up to her. Like, the way that it is framed is, like, a constant, you think you're going to get nominated? And I thought about just, like, how awkward that question must have been to answer over and over. She seems to be fine with it. Right. So,
1: corollary, this still falls under the first big question. Do you (laughs) think that she was filming herself expecting to make a documentary about winning an Oscar and doing the halftime show? Like, you know, celebrities film themselves a lot. It's not a weird thing to do anymore, I guess. I, I still think it's weird because I'm not a celebrity, but, like, it's pretty common. You know, obviously, Kanye does it. Beyonce does it. People just, like, film themselves.
3: So what That's do you think she was... an incredible question, Juliet? I have no idea. Yeah, like... like what was she
1: trying to capture? Because I just have a lot <laughs> of questions about the original intention versus the outcome. Right
3: cuz the timeline is kind of all over the place. Yes. Like this is not told in a linear way. We start at the Super Bowl, we dial it or we know we started our 50th birthday. <laughs> we dial it forward 6 months to the Super Bowl and then back a year to a year before the Super Bowl. The whole time it's like I was having a really hard time even wrapping my head around that COVID wasn't happening. Like yeah. this documentary exists before COVID is just like a weird time capsule um well,
1: but i also, don't know what
3: the originating your, thought was so
1: you mentioned she starts her 50th 50th birthday she had a very lavish 50th birthday party that i recall at the time her, are you sure
3: julia because i think she just had a little cake and a little family time in her trailer <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. She had a huge party <laughs> on Star Island in Miami, which is where she lived when at the time of this documentary because she was with Alex Rodriguez. They were a power couple. Amanda and I talked a lot about them. And then, of course, her subsequent breakup on Jam Session. And Alex Rodriguez, you may know him as A-Rod, gave her a Porsche convertible for her 50th birthday. And it was a blowout, which she's entitled to. But like that was right. the first... Indication that you're like, oh, this is not a documentary, which is fine. It's like, you know, like I just think we should be clear that it, it probably falls
3: closer to like personal mythology than straight it's documentary. An autobiographical documentary. It is like an <laughs> autobiography of a documentary. It's it is so completely through her lens and absolutely mythologizing. Of the J-Lo story, but I think JLo's feeling is like, if I don't mythologize myself, who will? And yes. you and do kind of have to respect that. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I, I definitely do. It was sort of like she was pumping herself up throughout this doc and also like reminding us of, of her greatness, which I think is indisputable. We'll definitely talk more about it, but. The sort of the montage of how people talked, how men, specifically white men, spoke about her behind and just, like, who she was as a celebrity in the early 2000s and late 90s was so disgusting and reprehensible, and I wasn't really aware of it, and I'm really glad she called it out.
3: Yeah. I mean, we'll get to this, too, but I think certainly my favorite parts of this documentary are the very brief moments when Jennifer Lopez gets angry because, like, she has so much to be angry about that I... I feel like this, in some ways, maybe this will sound crazy, but would have been better served as like a docu-series that actually dives. Yeah. It either needed to be way more specific or way more broad, but it is interesting <laughs> Circling back to our big question and thinking about like where this started, what was, what was she filming for? Like, was she filming for her 50th birthday? Was she filming for the halftime show? And to think about all the stuff that got filmed that didn't get used. For example, you mentioned A-Rod. So like, just if, if she had stayed with A-Rod, if in 2022, when this is getting produced, would this have been like a very different, possibly more personal story I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah. It's like how much was left on the cutting room floor.
1: Also at the end of the film, she has like a lot of stats about her following and her accomplishments. And also notes that she lives in Los Angeles with her 14 year old twins. I was glad she said that she does have a son. She does. He does not appear in this film, though. His daughter, her daughter is in it a lot as are her parents and her sisters. And
3: you know, I have to assume well, her mom and her sisters, really like we don't really yeah. personally hear from her dad that much. To, and I mean, there's definitely yeah, one one little time, just like we hear one little comment from Ben Affleck, like it's definitely a women's story that is like mostly told by women. And, you know, there's that moment where like the the NFL creative director someone tells her that like the thing they're pushing up most against in her halftime show is like the use of the female symbol, which seems so absurd to me. It's like, well, yeah, they're both women. Like how is that like exclusive? Um, but I know I did think about that cuz you see, but I wondered if, you know, the the boy twin, Max, is just like less camera ready. I mean, yeah. I was extremely taken with her daughter.
1: Yeah, I remember I was at the time of the Super Bowl too. I was like, oh, she's she's got personality, but She's got she so, has much, so much
3: presence. Yeah. Like, like this, it was like not only does she do the Super Bowl every day, but she records a documentary about doing the Super Bowl every day. I mean, she's just so natural in front of the camera and on stage and not in like a Disney Channel precociously natural sort of way. I just, I wanted to know more about her. I thought she was so like adorable.
1: <laughs> I know. She's, she seems like she's destined to stardom, which I hope works out for her. Um, you know, if, if we agree that this movie is not really about the halftime show, like, what do you think it would be a better title for it? This is kind of a, new, this is the new uh, category in the rewatchables. Is there a better name for this movie? And I almost feel like I was thinking like, it should be called like JLo colon fear of failure or like something like that. Cause it, then it's like a failure and a perceived failure by her. I'm not, I'm not saying she's a failure at all with the hustlers nomination versus like this triumphant moment at the super bowl. But
3: it was so much well, more than halftime. I think time. calling it like fear of failure would be speaking to something that we noticed in the documentary that maybe J-Lo was not like fully trying to expose. I think if she was naming it, it would be something more like JLo, colon like, not ready to fail or can't fail or something about, like, not being able to keep her down. But what is so evident throughout the documentary is the way that failure or perceived failure motivates her. Like... I feel like she's like Michael Jordan in The uh, in <laughs> the the, Last Dance. <laughs> in The Last Dance, like the way that he just like invents fights so that he has something to fight against because he is so driven by competition. It's not that people aren't like mocking JLo lo all the time, but she is so widely seen as a success. Like even the people who tease her, like don't doubt that she's a superstar, that she's been really successful even when she has failed. But it's kind of like she has has to keep herself in this underdog category in order to keep motivating herself yeah yeah that's and a, she's that's like nowhere point. near ready to quit and yeah I think that angle would have been interesting I would just say it would the the title would be like JLo at 50 because mm. that's really what it feels like it's just like a check-in at this midway point in her <laughs> life they talked about that she was 50 some but they honestly should have talked about it more it's it's so crazy. It's not that 50 is old. It's just that, like, when you see younger clips of JLo, she looks either exactly the same or younger now. And just the way that she and Shakira are, like, dancing and moving, it's it's unbelievable I know. what she's doing at 50.
1: She's incredible. And, you know, I, one thing I was really taken with the documentary is, you know, the most impactful moments for me was how she was calling out um, the press coverage of her there in like an earlier phase of her career. I think that's just like my own personal bias too. Obviously she's really invested in supporting Latina women and black women. And and that part is like really moving, but I think just, and, and I don't mean to undersell that at all, but You know, because we spend so much time in this pod talking about um, celebrity coverage and entertainment coverage that really resonated with me. And it's something that I I just like didn't really think about, which I think also speaks to, again, like my position in in the world. But JLo's confidence and comfort with her appearance was so evident. And I found really powerful because she actually doesn't talk about what she looks like other than it, like being a part of her job, like what she's going to wear to like the Palm Springs um, film festival. And she picked a great dress and she just sort of like talks about how she grew up around a lot of shapely women and like her butt was like never a thing. And I love seeing female celebrities without makeup on. I think it's like so exciting because we almost always see them with a full face of makeup because that's part of their job for like photography and and whatever. And seeing JLo obviously be so confident in in her appearance and like in her own body. I thought that was such like a, a really strong message that I'm not even sure she's aware of because again, I just think it's like a, a given for her. She's like, yeah, this is my body and I dominate. Like she's super healthy, amazing athlete. But I... I just thought that was really, really interesting and different and refreshing. And I don't know. It really struck me.
3: Yeah. I mean, I wish we had, like, dwelled in that a little more. Like I was saying earlier, like, she has a lot. And it's not that I want her to be angry if she's not. But, like, she has a lot that she could the things that like i wish that she was more recognized for are not that i wish that she was like more recognized for being like a good singer or a good actor i think like or or a good dancer it's like you're going to be perceived the way that you are those are not things that you can change except by performances but i think like noting the things that you're noting here all that she did for just normalizing a different body type in the late 90s and early 2000s because what's so, like, horrendous about listening to those clips is, like, she's being told over and over that her body isn't normal. Yeah. And, like, all bodies are good and normal. And, you know, J-Lo is such an example because, like, she now, these days, has such, like, a typical standard of beauty. Like, there's, you know, she's, she's not gonna be judge now except in the positive but at that time to be like you have this huge ass I mean you see her getting like (laughs) asked not even asked about it in these interviews being told that like that she has a big butt or whatever it's sick it is so sick and
1: weird it also like I'll never think of South Park the same like the way that they just like went
3: after her and like belittled her is so gross Well, and I think like what you see J-Lo do over and over in her career is take these things that are really gross and use them in her favor and subvert them. And I think like here on Ringer Dish, that's always what we're most fascinated by. Amelia Wedemeyer and I talked for like an hour and a half about like Ben Affleck and J-Lo and Darkwater. And um, (laughs) it's just, you know, the way that she uses publicity It's like if she didn't, it would take her underwater. Yeah. But it's it's always so interesting to watch, like, what she's doing with the things that are being lobbied against her. And just like we talked about in this documentary, it's as interesting to watch her do that unsuccessfully as it is to watch her do it successfully. (laughs) Because, like, something that you have to appreciate about J-Lo is that, like, you can tease about her. You know, she is not on such a pedestal as an artist that you can't be like, oh my gosh, JLo, please do not try to start this TikTok challenge. Like, this is not going to take off. What are you doing? <laughs> like, she's,
1: she's occasionally campy, but unintentionally so.
3: Right. More and, than occasionally, I would say. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that, like, she has to embrace that because she does attempt to have such control over her narrative that when she loses it, like, it's people are going to take note.
1: Yeah, which is a great transition into our second question. As far as narrative goes... What makes her a superstar, and like, how do we think about her, and how does Doc change that for you? That's three questions baked into one. One super. Well, question. let me ask
3: you a fourth question, <laughs> Juliet. When I, if I just say J Lo, Jennifer Lopez, Jenny from the Block, what's your first thought? How do you classify her in your head?
1: It's a great question. I like her best as an actress, but I think of her first as a singer. And the dancer part of her is like part of the legend because of being a fly girl. But I definitely think of her music first at this point. Um, and I think also because she is like so, such like a, a showwoman. Like she obviously loves to put on a show. She, this documentary makes it clear she like is incredibly deliberate and purposeful with all the shows that she does. Like, you know, it has like the same team. So I think her music stardom has become her defining piece of her career. But overall, I just think of her. Yeah, that's the first thing I think of. But like she, her celebrity is so much bigger than that. What about you?
3: Yeah, it's like such a wormhole. Like there's so many twists and turns. I kind of do the same thing, which is that I immediately think of her as a singer. But what I conjure up mentally when I think of her as a singer is her dancing. It's like if I think of her as a singer, I don't immediately think of any of her songs, even though I like know and love quite a few. I think of her dancing. And I think that speaks to the way that I classify her as just as like a consummate entertainer. Yeah, Everything about her is entertainment. Like she is so much more than a triple threat at this point. Like she is a singer, dancer, actor. Yes. But her becoming a producer, I think has really influenced the kind of like superstar and entertainer that she's become. And I found those parts of the documentary fun and interesting. Like I would have liked to have dwelled in the production of that halftime show so much more because it's, unbelievable like what they're pulling off and they talk so much about those 14 minutes yeah and then when you watch the full performance which i i frankly thought they should have aired the full 14 minutes i don't know if that's like a legal issue i thought about that probably
1: is legal issue i was thinking because they they probably could get a certain number of seconds for a certain amount of money so that would be my guess um the nfl's mercenary i'm sure they make exceptions for no one so it probably was like Really difficult. Uh, I also wonder if she didn't want to give Shakira too much airspace in her dock,
3: but I
1: well, think we're it's gonna part- have to
3: get to that at some point. <laughs> but, but I thought it was yeah. more about money, probably. Yeah, I I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but like, I mean, I would recommend to anyone listening to this who has not recently watched that halftime or just re-watch show, watch it. It's fantastic. Rewatch it. Rewatch it a couple of times. Like it is so incredible how much energy Shakira and J-Lo have. And there's a lot more deeper things to be said about like why they shouldn't have had to split the time. But I was glad that they had to split the time for the performance because like they get enough time to rest that every time you see them, it is like non, non, nonstop. And you think about that comparatively to like the Super Bowl performance that happened this year, which was also great, but was all these like, you know, older like rappers and hip hop artists. And it was just like laid back and you know, there it's like basically was staged as like a house party. It's like JLo and Shakira brought what JLo and Shakira can bring to this show. And that's how I think of JLo as someone who can just like bring it and is going to like, she's never going to half ass anything sometimes to her own detriment.
1: Yeah. And I think to the, I, I agree with that totally. And I mean, it's definitely my favorite halftime show. It was so good. I've rewatched it like several times just for fun. I don't love Shakira much like JLo, but I don't hate Shakira. And I do like many of her songs. Although I think that like, I think when you really dig into some of the specifics about Shakira, there's a lot that can be objectionable. But like, for example, Waka Waka, this time for Africa. Like, I don't know. The World Cup was in South Africa. So why does it have to be for all of Africa?
3: Like that's a huge continent. Anyway... I, she plays, she plays fast and loose with culture. That is true, but then that's like also what I, what I like about I, I. like Shakira a lot, and like rewatching this halftime show made me like her so much more. And just the little bits that we get of her in the documentary, where she's like so laid back yeah. in comparison to JLo's like extreme structure to how this is getting done. I mean, we shouldn't compare women, but it's fun to compare people and just see how they have different personalities. Yeah, and like, I, I know, found totally. Also, well, let's just talk about Shakira for a second. Does
1: J-Lo hate Shakira? No. No. I think this has been really... The main storyline around this documentary is J-Lo complaining that she had to share time with Shakira. I thought that the, the, the press coverage has been really misleading because it's very clear that she's annoyed she has to share airtime with her because she wants to do a big show and it's the Super Bowl. It's not like a personal vendetta against Shakira. I think she just Well, is like, and then
3: I think it goes like even deeper than that, which is where I would wager to say that like some of the media coverage has been fairly irresponsible, is that like she felt that it was unfair that in this moment where, the, I mean, they were, the NFL wanted a Latina artist. They yeah. were in Miami. They were in like deep shit racially. And, you know, it was like they needed some help. And then to for there to be the suggestion that either one of those women could not headline on their own and that you need kind of like two Latina women to equal what is normally one person headlining who then invites guests like that is very obviously what JLo is like more deeply upset about. It's like it could have been any other person, not Shakira. And the way that it's been like those quotes have been pulled and advertised has definitely made it seem like I don't want to share the stage with Shakira. Yeah,
1: <laughs> totally. And I I think I think that that JLo doesn't fake anything. And so based on well, that's the thing with this doc, I think that she presents it in a way that she that like she believes it and like we can buy into and i just don't think it seems like she like has a personal vendetta against shakira at all like i think she just is like was annoyed at the circumstance and i actually i I feel bad i just implied that she doesn't like her when i when i made that
3: joke before but i think she respects shakira and i think that that's like how j-lo sees the world you know i think of like whether i like or don't like people i think shakira i think j-lo thinks of whether she like respects or doesn't respect people and whether she's receiving respect like yeah that is what is so clearly important to her is like is she is being valued if her worth is being seen and she seems to like always be thinking about that and our question earlier is like how do we classify her and has that changed from this documentary i would say like one of the only things that this documentary like changed is just seeing that side of her, like kind of how much she does desire like approval mm-hmm. and awards and confirmation that she is like a worthy and valued entertainer. Cause in my head, it would just be like, obviously you've been famous for literally 30 years.
1: Yeah. but She's, she's one of one. I mean, I, right. she's, there's no one else like her. I mean, even like women who maybe you'd put in the same category, like that would be a disservice to both JLo and the other women, you know, like, I don't know who to really compare her to. I think like her closest analogs are more like someone, I mean, there's not really an analog, honestly, but like it is someone who is more of like an overall entertainer than like just, she's not even a multi-hyphenate, you know, like she just, she literally, she does it all. (laughs) Um, But I was just like, the fact that actors care so much about the Oscars It's like just always surprising to me. I don't know why. Obviously, there has to be a certain level of vanity to be an actor and to be a performer. But I just find it shocking. Like J-Lo, like J-Lo not winning an Oscar invalidates the Oscars, not J-Lo
3: but it's also it's such a it's such a funny angle because it's not jlo not winning an oscar it's that jlo not getting nominated for an oscar and like that is not a story that you hear a lot it's like yeah. you know i guess if she had just been nominated that would have felt so good i wonder how she would have felt about being nominated and not winning right uh, cuz like this I hadn't really thought about how it would feel to su- to have all these people telling you that you're going to get nominated and that you deserve to be nominated and then not getting it. I mean the the part of the documentary that like made me like kind of cry and then kind of laugh and then be like what is going on here? Is her like in her bed in a full face of makeup reading a glamour article that I think was like a roundup of reviews. And then maybe the person who wrote it had just added a little commentary. And it was like talking about that, you know, this person who has, who has been so kind of like undervalued, finally receiving their due by film institutions. And JLo just starts like weeping while she's reading it. She is greatly moved (laughs) by the glamour she line up a reviews article
1: she went out of her way to show her having emotion i think that she, it was important to her to to show that like though she is a, like a very formidable professional she also is human and i think like she wanted to show both of those but because the the, the work ethic and just the work itself is like so impressive and just feels to me like the jlo that we really know some of the like sort of out of out of the totally disconnected moments to like show her as a human, were became like kind of unintentionally funny.
3: They they were kind of funny.
1: Like what, <laughs> what also that? because being a really hard worker who's pissed at the NFL
3: doesn't not make her human. You know, it's almost like right. It's yeah, like that's well, who she I is. Think that they're a little funny because you're you're it's like a shortcut. It's like you're skimming the surface. In the most efficient way, which is to show crying, you yeah. know, or to show like a voice breaking. And that's like a shortcut for me. I, you know, I've been open with you on a number of podcasts about how, what an easy crier I am. And I definitely <laughs> cried throughout the documentary. <laughs> like I was very moved by the little girls who were in the show. I was me too. occasionally moved by JLo being moved But there's no foundation for showing that emotion because we're seeing so little of her personal life. You know, The, the scene with her family, her larger family at Thanksgiving is kind of like the closest we get to seeing anything of depth outside of her professional life. And you just, I'm not saying that she has to do that. Like she doesn't have to cut herself open for us, but it is kind of the only way that you can actually achieve feeling like, you know, someone,
1: yeah, and, and you just have to wonder if she went into this with a different mentality of like, sure, I'll show off me and Alex Rodriguez, no big deal. And then they break up, and now she has to like closely guard her and Ben Affleck because we all know what happened the first time around. But the- even
3: seeing him that one time, I was like, don't do it, don't do it. Because I'm
1: pretty <laughs> they sure they break
3: up. I'm pretty sure that's from a different interview, I'm pretty sure that's from.
1: Something he did around the Oscars that year, when or when he was also doing press, because I'm pretty sure I've heard that quote before. I think it's from like um, a W or T magazine thing. But anyway, the most humanizing moment for me was when she's in the car talking about her family's uh, jets group chat. I thought that was absolutely. funny and I loved it. And it was, that was like the realist, like, Oh, this is a, this is a person who's more than just a mega celebrity. I, I thought that was pitch perfect and so funny and so New York. And I, I just loved that moment.
3: Yeah. I, I really thought that that is the other thing that I would say, like I walked away from this documentary understanding a little more is her, her larger family dynamics. So not like with her own family, her children and her like, you know, ex-husband or fiance's, but like with her, parents hearing her talk about her mom and how tough her mom was on them that she, you know, she like left the house when she was 18, but she was also kind of like kicked out of the house if she wasn't going to be like following her mom's rules and, and then just to to like consider how all of those relationships have evolved into now this like Thanksgiving and this like huge white kitchen. It is like no matter how famous you get and no matter how like big and rich you are, your family is still going to be talking about football in the group chat when like <laughs> you just had like the biggest moment of your life the night before. Like hearing her read at first, I was like, why is she reading this entire chat? But that, that her... Her one sweet sister like tries to chime in and be like, Jennifer had her big premiere last time night, last night and then it just goes right back to Jets is like so perfect. So funny. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so funny.
1: This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello. See website for details.
1: We really haven't hit on is she is really, if we're just from the doc, at least she is really insistent on using the Super Bowl performance to make a statement about immigration and Trump's, you know, she quote, they, they don't ever like name him, but you hear his voice like his, uh, she names him one time. Yeah. When she she does. Right. Yeah. She She gets really
3: intense. Um, I think it's when she's talking about doing the like using born in the USA and she just kind of like gets really mad and is like, let's see, I have a question like these motherfuckers act like everyone who's an immigrant is trying to sneak into the country and is a criminal because that's the narrative that Trump created. And a lot of those people are just good people who are looking for the American dream. I thought that I, I was not expecting that part
1: of the doc. And in fact, the doc ends with her at inauguration singing um, this land is your land, which was really lovely. But I, I, again, I think the family piece of that is also really essential to understanding. And I bring it up now. Cause I think the fa- her family story is essential to understanding like her identity and how she, and how she was approaching this. And I do like now in retrospect, think that the NFL like undersold that piece of her of her uh, performance. Cause like, it I, it didn't click for me at the time. Maybe it's because it's, um, I have the privilege of being white, you know, like that's definitely possible, but I, I just thought that was like really interesting how deliberate she was. And like, the, like they also probably at the camera work, like downplayed the cages because they were against
3: them. But yeah, her, I, I do not remember noting the like cage um, imagery at the time. And, and like you, I, I am also white. And so it is like very possible that that, you know, just cruised over my head. But I, you know, I really did appreciate hearing her... Talk about all of that and how hard she fought for it. The moment that I would have liked to like dig even deeper on is at the very end, like in dress rehearsals when yes. the NFL higher ups like actually see how everything is looking. They see the cages and they try to take it away like they the don't day want before the day before they want to take the cages out. Benny Medina says this has come from the highest power, the highest power at the NFL. Who did you think that meant, Juliet? Well, they showed
1: a picture of Roger Goodell shortly after that, so it had right. to have been
3: I, not incredibly I, subtle. <laughs> they implied it was Roger Goodell. We cannot confirm, but that was.
1: And the then implication. they showed a bunch of
3: pictures of Trump, and I was like, "So, what is the implication here?" But yeah, it, it seems like it's coming from well, the commissioner. Just oh, to, yeah, just to clarify the, I think that specific implication, and this has been
1: discussed a lot over the last few years, is NFL owners by and large are donors to Republican candidates, including Trump. Right. And so and so, without saying it. They don't they don't say that. So, you know, we can't say for sure that that was what the who we can't say that that any one specific person was giving that message, but they imply it's Roger Goodell by showing his picture and then reinforce the connections to the Trump presidency and the Trump administration through showing photos from uh, from newspapers of owners with Trump. So, you know, that is the the, they let the images speak for themselves and we will, too.
3: Right. There are a lot of times in the documentary where they let images or subtle words speak for themselves where I just wish that they had outright talked about it. And this was one, not about who the instruction was coming from, but about the way that J-Lo fought it because it's the day before and she's basically like, do what you have to do. We're not losing the cages. And what I would have liked to be like a little more explicit there is like, in this situation, J-Lo has all the power. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do if she refuses to perform, which it seemed like she would was prepared to do if they wouldn't let her make the statement she wanted to make, then they're going to have to explain why. And they're going to have to say, it's because <laughs> we won't let her speak out for human rights like yeah. or, or sing and dance out for human rights. And I think that's really interesting, especially for someone like Jayla, who we don't really, and she says over and over like, I don't consider myself a political person or I didn't consider myself a political person. And you know, that's like back to the JLo at 50 thing is thinking about the ways in which she has changed as a person. Yeah. Are, are interesting. And I think like worth diving deeper into, except, I don't think she wants to. So she yeah. gave us the duck she gave us. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's true. But I think like that's such a good point. I did want to know more about that, like behind the scenes moment. Like, like let's get the oral history going of Lo putting her foot down, you know? But hmm. I do. Th- there actually are like so many moments. In this, I'm like, let's just try to find out some more answers on our own now, on our own now that we know this happened. But
3: I do think Classic there's like, a lot. Classic and Juliet journalism team up. <laughs> let's figure it out. <laughs> um. But
1: I do think that, like, ultimately, so much of this is about JLo's power and like how how she wields it. Which you know, we kind of touched on this. But another one of our questions is like, what was the narrative she wanted to accomplish versus what she actually achieved? And I I think she wanted to explain that she is, you know, she wanted to explain who she is now. Like, she wants to explain like who she is as, like a professional, and basically, and I and I do think that like she wanted to contrast the hustler's situation with the super bowl and for whatever reason it's called halftime but i think like for both of us we walked away this being about her power ultimately
3: i i definitely walked away with i think that's like that's like the positive takeaway is is her power how she perceives it how she wields it even when other people are not willing to sort of like yield to it and accept that, like, she is this powerful person who has, you know, remained in entertainment and media for 30 years and, like, never, ever gone away and never will. The more interesting narrative and message is this thing that she's... It's it is, is for me around the hustler's moment. Mm. And she says, what's next? And will anything be next next? Every artist lives with that fear. And I think like the really interesting part of it for me is that she so clearly sees Hustlers as as something she's never done before, a way for people to see her in a way that she's never been seen. And the fear there is that it won't come around again. Right. Especially if it's not rewarded. And like, you know, even as like a little itty bitty writer, I have that feeling of like when I write something good that I'm proud of, I'm like, what if I never write anything I'm proud of again? (laughs) Which is like such a crazy thought because like, of course you will. Life is long and careers are long. But like even J-Lo thinks that like now we know that she can do hustlers. She can act on that level. She can produce on that level. She can find that kind of story, get that kind of director, but there's always the fear there that you won't be able to replicate it and that you've like peaked. Right. And that's an interesting story coming from like one of the biggest entertainers in the world. Yeah,
1: it's true. Also, it's interesting to think about coming out of the pandemic because, you know, she, they also show her filming Marry Me, which by the way, has some great songs in it. Church is one of my faves. Um, Church church church, yeah, church
3: so church. good <laughs> and, and then it she, is also if you if you try to watch the church music video um and you cuz i just was trying to link this in an article yesterday it will show you a live performance I saw it. of of jlo doing church but you have to watch the performance of jlo doing church in the movie because she is wearing and her dancers are wearing like truly some of the most insane outfits i've ever seen it's She so a good has cross like going up her, her the the iconography is is unreal
1: <laughs> so so right now here in 2022 JLo marry me just came out a couple months ago at the end of this month we have shotgun wedding which I'm fired up about with Josh Jamel she's back on the rom-com grind But she did have like a long break where I I don't know. I don't know how she spent a lot of her time during the pandemic other than rekindling with Ben Affleck. Um, And so I am kind of curious now to like see how this sets up what else comes, because we know that she shot Marry Me before the pandemic and Shotgun Wedding was filmed. uh, Like once I figured out how to do production again, I believe it was in the spring of 2020. So, you know. The next slew of projects will be post hustlers, kind of like decisions made after that. Also, post a Rod, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see like where where her career does go from here. Based on that, I have no doubt she will continue to soar. There's like no question in my
3: mind. But it's interesting. Well, it's I know it's like that's like a little painful for me to think about that she was sort of having that thought in late 2019, early 2020 of like what's next will anything be next? Will I ever get this again? And then boom, pandemic, because that is a hard time to be having that sort of feeling. And I think like a lot of people really, you know, did a little recon, like took, you know, sort of had a reckoning with their personal and professional lives during like the height of quarantine. And like you mentioned, like what we know she did during quarantine is get back together with, um, <laughs> ben with Ben Affleck. Affleck and, of course, start her newsletter, which I hope that everyone is subscribing to really where you can only get the Ben Affleck content, like the uh, videos that he makes for her, um the proposal story. So like and that, you know, she she is she is also an entertainer in her personal life and and both from media, but also from herself. Like she Gives of herself personally. She tells her personal stories in her newsletter, and that kind of seems like what she's been focused on for the last year or two is her personal life. But I would like, you know, does that? Do you think that we're going to get a documentary like every two years? Is this about to become like a boyhood situation where we are now <laughs> like constantly filming her life and getting getting updates after halftime? I don't think I so. Now, watched. now that Ben okay. Affleck's back in it, I don't think so. I think they know nothing. That's either. true.
1: That's um, true. One final big question, Jody. What is your favorite Lo look? We see a lot of them. She wears some incredible outfits. We see her in formal wear. We
3: see her with her family. We see her in rehearsal. Like, what's your favorite Lo look? It's so hard to pick a favorite. This is not my favorite. I'm still reserving that. But But see, the moment she comes on the screen, her interview look for like her main interviews where her hair appears to just be tossed into a bun and she's wearing like casual clothes like low it's the kind of makeup that is a lot of makeup but it looks like natural makeup I was just like oh I'm so glad that she went with this look for the interview like that it's that it's because you mentioned this earlier like we see her made up a lot and so to see her casual almost feels like more of a treat um and no and from the beginning of time no one has pulled off a bun like jennifer lopez um as you and i are both wearing buns uh (laughs) i would say we're definitely second and third but jennifer lopez is first um but i think my the the look that i was just like "Ooh, give me more give me more is her cbs this morning or Mm. are you on the sunday morning look uh where it's like a it's like a long white cable knit turtleneck sweater and she, it just looks so luscious. Like at her Miami home, she just looks so rich and so relaxed about being rich. I just, I couldn't imagine. The Miami home is really nice. I wonder if A Raj still
1: lives there or if it's gone. It was once featured in Architectural Digest. It's really nice. Um, wow. I, I like sweats, JLo. I like her tie-dye sweats that are like so on trend. And if it's like, if it was anyone else's mom, you'd be like, why are you shopping in the junior section? But she makes it look so good and so easy. And like everyone, it was dressing that way for like two years, kind of still is that. I just like, I love how it encapsulates the like JLo is superhuman. It's like, she can put on the clothes that the rest of us wear, but it just, it, it, Looks better. It looks more rich, to your point, and it looks more. Um, it looks less lazy. I just like. I just love her and her her crop sweatshirts and her sweatpants. She looks so yeah. good. It, those tie
3: t- dye sets like definitely speak to a certain moment of yeah. a moment in time. I did like the sweats. I'll say there were a couple of times where she was wearing some leggings where I was like, "We probably got to retire those." I mean, we all have to have that conversation with ourselves about leggings Absolutely. at some point. <laughs> like, Absolutely. <laughs> Weird, but you know, it was a lot of rehearsals. I I couldn't get enough of the rehearsal montages. Agreed, I loved them. I would have I would have liked so much more focus on the actual choreography and dancing, and like the logistics of. Because even when you watch it in the halftime show, there are, you know, 200 at times w- more, even more on that field and you're not getting to focus on it. So, like, what is the point of an hour and a half or two hour documentary about halftime if not to then, like, zero in on some of those dancers and some of those dance moves, but... It wasn't the story we were telling. <laughs>
1: no, what certainly was not. I agree, though. I wanted more of the dancing. I like people. I like seeing people do their jobs. Like, I like seeing people like put, in the, put in the work. And so that's part of why that was, I think, so, so
3: interesting. Um, and I liked JLo as like a leader, like yeah. watching her give her pep talks or the time that she kind of gave a pep talk in Spanish um, or like and, and we, we both kind of mentioned this, but the little girl dancers were just so cute and i was having a little trouble following the story like her daughter ran in and seemed to sort of like take her over to a rehearsal room and then all of a sudden jayla was like well these dancers i just saw are going to be in the show and i couldn't really tell like how naturally that that actually happened or if they had like recruited those little dancers I, I would have liked to have known more but it was it was so cute to watch them Marvel at the other dancers yeah the big dancers and i wanted to be able to Marvel at them a little more myself it seemed like a lot got
1: alighted there and like that's okay you know it yeah. wasn't essential but yeah so definitely a lot was sort of just stuffed together to, to make that tie up nicely but the girls were so sweet i love seeing jlo teach them like her like giving them instruction was so exciting too i just She's the best.
3: I don't know. I, well, I I like what she said at the end. She was like, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago I couldn't have done this. And I thought that was an interesting admission and it it really like speaks to the entertainer and performer that she's become. You know, she had a Vegas residency for two or three years. Like she has learned how to produce a show in a way that she did not know how to 10 years ago and it showed in that halftime show. Totally. She's, I,
1: I just, JLo is like in the non-idiomatic uh, and non-neologism way. She is a boss. Like she runs stuff and it was cool to see. It
3: was cool to
1: see it. I liked it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked getting to know her team, like seeing Same. the way that she is like the head of her team and that they, uh, you know, like how much, these things mean to them as well. It was like very sad to watch them be disappointed that she didn't get the Golden Globe win, that she didn't get the Oscar nomination. And then it's also interesting on a personal level to kind of see how like J-Lo has to stay strong and maybe not be as disappointed as she actually is because like her team is disappointed. Um, A lot of, a a real psychological labyrinth, (laughs) labyrinth going on there. Um. It's been a delight to talk about this
1: video. If you even remotely like, like J-Lo, watch Halftime. Even if it's not a perfect doc, it's still a great
3: 90 minutes with J-Lo. Um, exactly. But- it's not It's not a great documentary, but it's very well made in that it is like well filmed, wonderful to watch Jennifer Lopez be on screen as always in a number of different ways. So if you like J-Lo, it's going to be fun to watch. And if you're someone who like likes to dislike JLo. It is unfortunately also probably gonna be pretty fun to watch.
1: <laughs> on that note, check it out everybody. It's on Netflix. Thank you to Mike Wargon for producing this episode. Thank you to Jody. Thank you all for listening and uh stay tuned for more Ringer Dish.